Hello and welcome to the Attribution Marketing Podcast, where we help businesses, brands, and entrepreneurs get more out of their advertising spend. On today's episode, we have Margie Agin, the Chief Content Strategist and Founder of Centerboard Marketing. She is an award-winning marketer, and Margie has held leadership roles at Cisco and Blackboard and built and managed teams responsible for demand generation content strategy, and overall digital marketing. Margie, thanks for being on the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. So what led you to this point, to, to founding this company and being such a leader in that B2B content marketing space? Walk us through how you got here. I started my career in market research, which is a sort of the most ground up way I think you can start in marketing. So we did most of our research on the phone. And we would talk to companies that were customers or potentially competitors or potential partners on behalf of our clients wanted to expand into a new market or launch a new product, or maybe they were investors trying to get a sense of uh, what people thought about their potential investment target. So I did that for about five years, and then I worked for a couple different companies in a digital marketing role, looking at website revamps, online marketing presence, and then from there, I worked for a video conferencing company called Tanberg, which was eventually purchased by Cisco. I realized I liked being in a smaller, more nimble company kind of environment. So then I went to Blackboard and focused on demand generation. And I went through this period of time where I said, do I want to be an in-house marketer? Do I want to go back to consulting? And slowly started heading into consulting. This is about eight years ago and have built my business kind of step by step, building on top of that to create center board marketing. You mentioned at the beginning, looking at the data and the analytics and, and basically starting there and working your way up. Is that data the same? Is the methodology the same? Technology has come so far during that same time period, but as a B2B marketer, are you taking the same steps just with maybe different and more data? Walk us through what's different about today's analysis versus what you were doing at the start of your career. To competitive intelligence, of course, and today you can get a lot more detail if you were assessing a competitor through many different types of tools that can assess their marketing spend on PPC, or you can check out their status on SEO. You can look at their social media profiles. All of that is much more publicly available than it was when I was focusing on research and competitive intelligence. But that said, the qualitative aspect, I think, is very much the same. And that's understanding who to talk to, what kind of questions to ask, and being really skilled at talking to, say, a technical expert, you really need to go and interview customers, maybe do some secret shopping with your competitors and talk to people, you know, get out there and talk to analysts, be able to have those conversations so you can have more back and forth and dig deeper and ask those kinds of, you know, open-ended questions that get people talking. So I think that is very much the same and still necessary in kind of the world of 
marketing in general, ultimately we use all that information to build personas, to understand the brand perception of a company, to figure out what our next product line might be. All those kinds of questions rely both on the quantitative and the qualitative side. So I think there's there's got to be a blend of both of those pieces. When you actually talk to your customers, right, and you listen to the words that they use, that's extremely helpful. And then reflecting back to them, the terminology they use, the way that they describe their problems, right, the other solutions that they've tried and didn't work and why, all that is sort of those nuggets are, are all of that can then be fed into how you develop your campaigns, right? What keywords you choose, where you choose to double down in your content, what you write on the landing page, all of those kinds of things. What are some of those specific challenges to being B2B versus B2C? Because it's a different, it's a different beast. It's a longer sales cycle. There's a lot more touches. It's a higher priced item they're typically uh, purchasing or signing up for. A B2B product could take nine months longer in, at times, and there's many different people involved in the sale. Thinking about the B2B sales cycle in terms of the top of funnel, kind of early context, maybe there's a particular buyer or researcher who's involved in that piece. Then as you continue in the sale, they're going to have a different set of questions, maybe even bring in a different group of people who are going to have a totally different set of possibly more more technical questions or strategic questions than your initial set of conversations touched on. I know yeah. that your business, and correct me if I'm wrong, it takes a, a heavy focus on content marketing, specifically that sort of piece to the puzzle. Is that accurate? Yeah, I, I look at content as core to all of the different types of channels that we've been talking about, right? Whether you do PPC, you still need something to offer. If you're doing social media, we need to bring them back to the website. So if it's an email campaign, we're going to offer something of value. And oftentimes that's a soft offer or a content piece. Content has been king, content is king, content will always be king. Do you see that changing at any time or seen it maybe even fluctuate in the past or is it only more important today? I think the big change has been away from volume towards quality, right? And the change in the last couple of years, I would say particularly the last year, from the Google perspective and also from the recognition from clients and other content marketing experts is that quality is really where you're going to differentiate yourself. I would rather create one piece of quality, deep, big rack content and make sure that is saying something that nobody else can say, maybe slice and dice it into different pieces, but essentially a focused type of content strategy rather than hundreds of pieces that are short and try to talk about everything else in the world. The space is so crowded. It's it's so much more important to create a unique voice, differentiate yourself and out of that sea, and then get that in front of the right people and stop worrying so much about this hamster wheel of constantly creating content. And we're able to see that when we provide content and value, people are much more willing to come back and stay involved and stay engaged and open our emails. And so 
the sad fact is from a, a B2B perspective, B2B marketers say that over half of the content that they've killed themselves creating is never actually even used. It's not used on the website. It gets lost on the website or it's not used by salespeople because it's not getting in the hands of the right people. And there's so much that they even forget what exists. <laughs> it's, we used to think that the more links, the better, and the more content, the better, and it makes you seem more authoritative. Now we're finding that all that dead wood is not getting traffic. It, or if it is, it's like, diluting the traffic that you actually want to be on your best and brightest stuff. And instead, you still have all this old, outdated, not so great, probably doesn't even reflect your current product set. You got all that stuff hanging out there underneath the iceberg. And it's, it's actually to your detriment. On one hand, you say, well, we can't write a hundred really small blog posts that are very thin and, and have no value, but we could maybe write 10 it really strong from your perspective, never right. been told for story, but then chop those up into a one minute YouTube clip or the half as long version for LinkedIn and then the 140 character version for Twitter. So are you in the sort of distribution camp? So I, I just worked on a survey for a client in the educational technology market. And this survey talked to college students about their experience over the past year in this new world of going to college uh, in a pandemic. And then the end result of this was a very interesting and unique picture of what's happening right now on college campuses. What we're able to do with that, we had the major survey piece, then PR around the release of the survey, a number of different blogs that picked up topics from the survey that we were able to double down on to, to focus on particular themes. So we were able to take an angle at this that was about two-year students and then take that particular piece and turn it into a, a presentation for an event that was focused particularly for community college administrators. There's another angle to this that is about mental health. So we're taking that piece of the story and then we're talking to mental health counselors and uh, student advisors who care about those things. So this is an example of essentially a big rock piece of content that has so many different ways to break it apart and to get a different cut at the story. And it's also an example of different types of formats. So you may have, you have to you know, fill in a form behind a gate to get the full survey. But if you just want the brief overview without having to fill in a form, you can go to the blogs. There's an infographic, which is focused on all of the you know, key data points. We want that to be picked up and quoted and linked to. So there's an infographic version of this. And then there's the PR angle where we're hoping to get placement in different publications because publications love, love data, love these kinds of, if they're authoritative, particularly, and they're managed by uh, research companies, then they're considered authoritative data and they're very likely to get picked up by press. So with one piece of content, we were able to create 10, 15 pieces that came out of this, all in different formats for slightly different audiences, but all pointing back to the brand as the authoritative thought leader who is producing unique content no one else has. How are you attributing conversions or 
otherwise attributing the success of all the various channels, all the various marketing campaigns, all the various content. When you work with the client and you deploy one of these strategies or you get an engagement, how are you measuring the success of those campaigns? So con content is always tricky to measure. It, if it is behind a gate, then often that, when I say gate, a traditional landing page with a form tied to a Salesforce campaign, we're able to see how people reached that page. Was it email? Was it social media? Right? Was it organic search? Was it press or third party? Did they fill in? Was the landing page successful at driving conversions? How many of the people that went to the page were able to actually successfully complete the form and get the content? Then, because it's a Salesforce campaign, we can follow that content through the funnel and that 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 stays tagged to the contact who downloaded that piece of content all the way through their experience in it, let's just say salesforce.com so we can then backtrack when that contact becomes an opportunity and that opportunity becomes a closed one sale we can say that they touched this piece of content so different companies will choose to measure that impact of content in many different ways. So there are so many different models for deciding how to attribute revenue or opportunities to a piece of content that's involved in a campaign that I think what's most important is that whatever the organization decides is that then they use it consistently and then they at least have a consistent way of comparing and contrasting kind of the relative value of different pieces of content. So instead of saying this content drove a million dollar sale, we at least know this content was involved in a million dollar sale. This content was not <laughs> ever involved in any successful sales. Then at least we use that directionally rather than pinning all the uh, sort of hanging our hat all of the, the piece of content. I look at not just how many people viewed this blog or even how long did they stay on the blog page, but if you configure Google Analytics a little bit, you can see, did they scroll down? How far down did they actually scroll on the page? Did they watch the video and how long did they stay on the video? Did they go from this page to another page or maybe a high value page and go deeper into your website and engage that way? So those are some of the, the things that I look at when I just when I can make a determination as to whether content is doing its job of being engaging and getting people more interested and invested in the brand. With our software, we've put together a content attribution solution. We we do multi-touch attribution and we deploy a pixel and link tracking and impression tracking to say, like you mentioned, it's not about time on page, it's not about bounce rate. It's about the entire journey. It's it, it, Bounce rate is irrelevant. What you really care about is getting more people not to opt in, not to get mid funnel, but to actually come out the bottom of the funnel with a signed contract or a swiped credit card. And so what we focus on and what we encourage everybody to focus on is capturing that entire picture. And you've done a really great job of, of outlining how that's your approach as well, that it, it's not in a silo. Other marketing channels are impacting your content. You might be getting paid traffic to a blog post, free traffic to a blog post, Facebook traffic to a blog post. 
How does that all play out? If you were to sum up all the costs and all the revenue across all your channels and vertically up and down across the entire funnel, what's really moving the needle? And that's what multi-touch attribution is all about. The content is that link between all the other components. That's the meat on the bones that people are there to consume and digest. And marketing is all about driving more engagement, more eyeballs to that, but ultimately converting them. Yeah. You brought up a lot of good points. It is so common and so difficult to for companies to not understand what's working and what's not, right? Or not even have a methodology for figuring that out. And so if we have these if we know that quality content instead of high volume of content is where we should be going and everybody is so busy and doing a million things and wants to do less, then we have to know what's working. And I would just add too that because you focused on more sort of the back half of the funnel that we don't just care about who's coming in at top of funnel, but we actually care about driving from the opportunity stage to a closed one stage. And that in a B2B world is about supporting the sales team. And it may be that marketing goes through sales at, at that point. It may be that material is not delivered on the website or via email or via social media, but possibly through their main point of contact, which is a salesperson. But marketing should be aware of all of those conversations that are happening. And there's different types of content that are going to be used during that part of the funnel. This is when you've got maybe your more competitive information or you're bringing out the ROI calculator or there's other types of situations where marketing can support that sale all the way to close. Then I, I think you're in a good spot and you're you're firing on two separate cylinders at the same time. Is that what, what you would agree? Would you yeah, agree? Yeah, 100% okay. agree. Give our audience a shot to get a hold of you. Is there anything that you're working on that's new? Maybe there's a white paper or uh, an opt-in for the, the top B2B strategies. Help our folks find their way to you so they can tap into this B2B expertise. The best way to find me is my website. It's centerboard-marketing.com. Uh, that's my company website, but you can learn more about me and, and the types of work that we do. There is a section on the website that might be valuable for listeners that is, it's called the Brand Breakthrough Action Guide. It is a download. It is gated. <laughs> Apologies for that. I promise not to spam you. <laughs> but it, it is a kind of a step-by-step -step playbook for building your brand personality. And that is a fundamental piece of deciding what kind of content you create. So that's something I would encourage people to check out if they would like a, a new resource. You heard it here first, folks. Thank you so much to Margie for being on the show. Please go check her out at centerboard-marketing.com. She has a wonderful guide on how to develop that brand personality so that your content follows suit and pays dividends for the sales and marketing folks. That's it for today. This is the Attribution Marketing Podcast, signing off.